This episode is brought to you by Tristan Walker and our friends at Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed specifically for coarse, curly hair and sensitive skin. Step up your shave game and say goodbye to razor bumps. Check out GetBevel.com today. Use code TAX to get 20% off your first month at GetBevel.com. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L-D-O-T-C-O-M. GetBevel.com. Please get that dumb shit off your face. Tax season episode 14. Say hello to the bad guy. Villains in the building. How y'all doing today, man? We maintaining. It's a new week. It's some new news. And it's too much fucking bullshit for me to even fucking comprehend. I don't know if I even want part to this bullshit this week. How y'all feel about this week? Me personally, I feel like shit. But anyway, um, what we got going on? Dylan Roof. Dylan Roof, man. It's been many Dylan Roofs in our time, and we just hoping that, you know what I mean, that these types of people don't exist anymore. You know, it's crazy because I was in an Uber on my way here to record, and I was sitting here thinking, and I was like, yo, man, we went so many years, right, of trying to prove ourselves as not violent individuals towards Caucasian people. And I keep I keep tweeting this link from... um from minister farrakhan and he says that there's no history of blacks being violent towards whites and it's so crazy because as i thought about it i'm like yo they really tried to paint this picture that we would that we were violent towards them because of a couple of rogue black people that might have raped white women and it's like you know i I sat around and i looked at all the light-skinned people that was around me and i said damn this wasn't consensual sex from our ancestors it was definitely rape you know what i mean so you can't blame us for a couple of rogue people that might have raped white women and and we can't blame y'all for a couple of uh, white people that might have raped black women you understand what i'm saying like the thing is with this whole dylan roof shit is that this shit is like me personally i feel it needs to stop i don't know really how it needs to stop but all i can say personally for me i feel like the only way to find racist is to not not turn them into criminals for being racist, not chastise them. We should allow racists to be racist, allow a racist to say what they want to say about everybody so we can alienate them and put them in one corner. I think this was segregation was truly made for was it? You know, they might have made it for to separate blacks against whites, but blacks, blacks against whites wasn't was never the war. You know, what I mean, it's, it's evil against it's evil against the pure people. You know, what I mean, and it's it's a lot of pure people out there. And I feel like, you know, we might categorize them because of their their color, their sexuality and things of that nature. And that's not the case. You 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 categorize somebody from the actions, you know, what I mean, and from the things that they believe in, you know, what I mean, so if you're a racist and we are like my thing is this, if we keep chastising all these racists for being racist, right? Oh, you're going to get fired from your job. Who wants to get fired from their job? Nobody. So if we keep telling people they're going to get fired from their job for being racist, you know what happens? They're not going to be racist in the open. So we will never know who's going to be racist. We need to know who the fuck is racist out here. We need to know this. Like, I don't want to sit amongst white people that I think I might consider as my friends and to find out later on that they're racist. Like, that's the most dumbest shit ever possible. I would like to know who is racist. So therefore, I say, don't chastise the racist. Let them be themselves and keep them in a the corner within themselves. 
alienate them. If y'all racist, y'all stay over there. Y'all hire each other. You go get a job by other racists and things of that nature. We might fucking find out that the whole world is racist. Who knows? But if if that's what we got to do in order to make shit go forward, then let it go forward, man. I say let the racists be racist. Be you, man. Like, fuck all this shit, man. They said the fucking cops gave Dylan Roof the shooter of the South Carolina church Burger King. Now, me being arrested several times in my life for, for numerous crimes, I've realized that they do offer you food and drinks to soften you up and to possibly get information out of you. So I won't slander what the cops did too much as far as feeding him Burger King because I know that's what they do when the good cop is on. And when the bad cop is on, that's when they wild on you. So they could been just, could they could have just been playing good cop and said, "Hey, are you hungry? Would you like some Burger King?" And then gave Dylan some Burger King. So I'm not gonna slander that part too much. You know what I mean? I understand it. I've seen many dudes get get McDonald's, and I went to Rikers Island, and they've went home. So I, I understand clearly. But at the same time, somebody that's accused of a terroristic act. That was a terrorist act, you know what I mean? Those were people that were innocent bystanders. They were um they they that it was a senator that was killed, you know what I mean? If that if that's not big enough for you cuz I, I even though I see that, you know, being black isn't that much It's like, you know, being black is probably like getting killed as being black person is probably like like a bee getting killed like you just never see the news about a bee getting killed and that's just what it is with us. But what I'm saying is that if if this motherfucker killed a black person, you understand what I'm saying? Killed several black person, even a senator. Why is it the senator is not even being glorified about like it's just like it's just I feel me me totally like the, the media is giving it a lot of coverage, but I feel like the shit is getting swept under the rug. I feel like they're not giving it the acknowledgement that it that it deserves. A senator was killed amongst the the civilians that was killed amongst the innocent civilians 40 year old black women that had no criminal history and that's another thing myself with the news i need to understand why the fuck when victims get killed y'all bringing up their criminal history like that shit means something what the fuck does it mean if taisha stole a fucking jolly rancher when she was in seventh grade and she got killed in fucking 2017 what the fuck does that mean what does that have to do with her death that she got that she stole a fucking Jolly Rancher when she was 17. So, you know, it's so much shit that I don't understand as far as the race goes. And this and, and I spoke to Charlemagne earlier. I had Charlemagne earlier told my woman on taxis and he said he was going to Charleston. You know what I mean? To like um handle shit down there. And I was like, you know, I appreciate that because you know Charlemagne is from down there, but period, just as a black man. You know what I mean? People are like, you gotta we we have no respect, like to this day. With Barack Obama being the president, we still looked at it as, as just anything. It's just a piece of water. It's just some shit that will evaporate in the thin air. Like, we, it's no respect for us. And I feel like, you know what I mean? We really need that respect. So I respect Charlemagne for going down there for, for his hometown and repping and, and, and just showing love to everybody that's down there that, that want a part of the Confederate flag being took down. The Confederate flag is being honored by every single American terrorist that exists. Every time an American terrorist arrives, besides the D.C. snipers, they're, they're waving the Confederate flag. Like, 
Me, truthfully, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I truthfully don't know what the fucking Confederate flag stands for. If you do, you know, give me some knowledge towards it. You know what I mean? But all I see is the dudes in bowl cuts, you know, they, they, um, they glorify this fucking, this Confederate flag. You know what I mean? And one of my neighbors have a Confederate flag. I've been actually waiting for him to come back all week so I could take the, the flag off his truck and burn it in front of him. But I haven't seen him. I don't know where he's at. So, Dan, when you come back, it's no beef or nothing, but I'm going to just burn your Confederate flag and shit. Just hold it down, beloved. It's nothing personal. But, um, you know, it's just... It's so much right now, man, as far as being a black man, man. I tweeted a couple of days ago that I'm so scared of having a son because I don't want my I don't want to get that call about my son being shot. I don't want to get the call about him being in danger. I'd rather have a little girl, you know, what I mean, where, you know, the majority of what you deal with, with a little girl is men trying to take advantage of. Her. And I'd rather deal with that than than the world trying to take advantage of my son. Cause I'm that scared because I know myself and I'm not going to allow anybody to do something to my loved ones. You know what I mean? So that's another reason why I stand so firm as far as my beliefs and how it goes in the community with black people, because as a boy in a black community, it's a dangerous fucking world. Mothers, fathers are scared we are scared because we still dealing with poverty, poverty that was that was put upon us. You know, what I mean, from the beginning of times. And I keep telling people poverty is the reason the hood is the reason the, the is the reason the hood is the way it is today. You know, what I mean, and that's the only way that we'll get rid of poverty. If people start being, you know, what I mean, stand up with certain situations. But that's how I feel as far as that go. Um. What else we got in the news today? We got um, Sean P. Diddy Combs. Yo, shout out to Diddy, man. Diddy, Diddy's out here getting arrested during Father's Day week. You know what I mean? Fighting for his um son. I don't know why Diddy got arrested, truthfully. They said Diddy was fighting his assistant son from uh, his assistant's coach from ucla man and all i could think about is this might have happened over some play time like he wasn't giving him the correct play time or something and things of that nature but anyway man all i could say is man shout out to to sean p diddy combs black lives matter <laughs> i just want to say shout out to the good people over there at soundcloud you know what i mean great numbers this week you know what i mean um my numbers are actually greater than that but we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> great numbers this week on um, Freeway Ricky Ross interview. Shout out to Freeway Ricky Ross and everybody that made that happen. And iTunes. Listen, man, you get on iTunes, you make sure you review me and you rate me. And you give me whatever you want. You give me one star, two stars, whatever you feel is deemable. For my, for my profession, you know what I mean? If you feel like I haven't been performing correctly, give me one star. If you feel, give me two stars. If you feel like I've been popping, give me five stars. Give me a good review. You know what I mean? So I could chew. You dig what I'm saying? And we can, and we can, um, make everything be great. Dig what I'm saying? And today, you know, I was tweeting and shit about, you know, they did the Who's Next show. Shout out to, um, Scotty over there at 97. They um did the Who's Next show with Trey Pizzi and Los. 
And, you know, I like I like went off on a little rant about Los, but I want people to understand that I was never saying that 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 Los was untalented. What I was saying was that I've never heard a song from Los and I've heard numerous freestyles. Phenomenal spitting his ass off, you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, what I mean, we can't we can't live life off of freestyles. We need records. We need records that we could correlate with, like records that we can understand, you know what I mean? Things of that nature. And I just want that to be clear that I wasn't trying to slander Los as an artist. What I was doing was saying he is lyrically good, but he's not all the way rounded as an artist. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what I was saying was that Trey Pizzy has a good amount of everything in order to be an artist. You know what I mean? He has lyrics. He has, you know what I mean, swag. He got the following. He got the people, and it's just things of that nature. So I just wanted to make that clear that, you know what I mean, I wasn't slandering King Los because I seen he, like, followed me on Twitter and shit, and I hope he didn't think that that was going to make me stop talking whatever I was talking about him because that wouldn't, but I was just expressing, and I just want you to know that I wasn't trying to slander you so you don't have nobody, like, walk up on me aggressive because rap crews is crazy they always got two dudes that like got too much muscles to be like yo yo what up no i heard you was saying this and i'd be like i heard you was trying to get shot and then i just switched the game up on them whatever but what i'm saying is that um i think los is very dope you know what i mean as far as rapping but what i'm saying is that who can't rap who can't rap everybody can rap these niggas can't make songs, you know what I mean? I need songs. I don't know about you niggas. I need songs. When I'm on the highway and I'm driving and I'm going far, I need songs, B. I can't really survive off them freestyles. You know, I was a big cannabis fan when I was young, and cannabis was a um a big freestyler, and I used to be in love with them freestyles, but guess what? Them freestyles got boring after a little while. I needed them songs, man. I need them songs that could correlate and that I could understand in my life, you know what I mean? And that's the fuck I need. So it's like all that putting, you know, 82 words together in order so so it could rhyme. That shit is like, it's kind of whack to me, you know what I mean? It's like, man, it's cool that you could rap, but nigga, can you make a song? And that's what I want you niggas to challenge yourself at, because I could definitely see you challenge yourself at rapping. Just challenge yourself to a song. And that's my message to um, King Los, Tax Season. Tax Season, episode 14. Today is going to be a little different. You know, um, Chris Morrow, he... um. He recommended a psychologist come see me. Why, I don't know, but he says that I need it. <laughs> and he recommended um Maya Pettiford. Hello, Do- Maya. Dr. Maya Pettiford. Doctor. Do- Dr. Pettiford to you. Dr. Pettiford. Pardon me. Pardon me for um the disrespect. No disrespect. Just miswording. Yes. <laughs> Just miswording. How you doing, um, Doctor Pettiford? Um, well, you are very handsome. Thank you. Your um. It's the first compliment of the day. First, the photograph, the uh, you're on your dollar bill thing. Yes. It's not a good uh, depiction of what it's you not, actually. It's not working good for me, right? No, not I at all. I thought that you know when it I really first seen isn't. it. When I first seen it, I was like, why did Chris send me this? You know what I mean? I didn't think it complimented me whatsoever. Not at all. Mm, thank you, though. 
We got um Dr. Maya Pettiford with us. She's going to be, um I don't know exactly what Dr. Pettiford is going to be doing today, but she's going to be speaking to me, and today's episode is going to be a little different. She's been on other um, loudspeaker network podcasts as far as Combat Jack and the good friends over there, Fan Bros, and she's done some great work. So they, they said that, you know, Chris Morrow recommended her to me, so... I want to see what um, Dr. Pettiford has for us today. Okay. Let me just tell you a little bit about my background because I. Th- what do you think you know about me? I don't know anything about you. I know what they told me. And they told me that, you know, you dig deep in the people. And they told me you was a good doctor. Okay. And I appreciate their compliments. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about my background because I know that you're from East New York. Yes. Uh, born and raised. You still there? No. Or is that? Okay. Born and raised, though. Okay. Um, so I've done work. I guess I, I, no, not I guess. I've been a psychologist for over 10 years. I'm 43. From Park Slope. So you already assume that I'm a punk. We have a Brooklyn girl here. All right. <laughs> we love Brooklyn girls, don't Park you Slope, know? dope. Good Park um, Slope girl. And uh, so I've worked with ATI programs, Alternatives to Incarceration. I've worked at um, Interfaith on the inpatient unit for about five years. Yes. I worked at state hospitals with murderers, sex offenders, um, arsonists, uh, people who self-mutilate, you name it. I've done it. And right now I'm in private practice. I work primarily with adolescents and families, but I also work with uh, duly diagnosed, meaning people who abuse substances and have some form of uh, psychiatric illness. I went, I went to a psychiatrist once mm-hmm. when I was younger. When my, my mother signed me up for the PENS program. Know it. Okay. You know what that is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she put me on a, a, a PENS petition, I think it's called. Uh-huh. And... Like, they had me in a psychiatrist for a couple weeks. What was that like for you? It was regular. <laughs> What's regular mean? She was asking questions. I was so used to getting arrested that questions was just regular for me. Ah. So there was no real organic interactions. It was just question, response, question, response. Yeah. Like, I didn't really want to let her in too much because, like, I was like a shielded kid with, I think, mentally with certain things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't, I didn't trust authority. So I was like, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't letting authority in. Well, what does it take for one to uh, be let into your life? A lot. A lot of trust. You know what I mean? Like, I, I speak a lot about things that I do, you know what I mean? And things of that nature. But I've become accustomed to to humans just not being trustworthy so it's just hard for me to trust humans period what happens when you trust humans they disappoint you it's like it's always a it's always a disappointment so that's why i'm never disappointed really because i always expect the disappointment i just don't know when it is it's just like more or less a time frame of like, okay, when is this person going to disappoint me? What should I call you? Tax? Daryl? Yeah. You can call Mr. me whatever Tax you want. No, you what, what do you feel? Daryl. Call me Daryl this episode. I would like that. Okay. Thank you. 
Um, Daryl, being disappointed is, is part of being human. Yeah. But I'm not a fan of being disappointed of people. I like to have as much faith as I can in people as possible. So I won't even put them in certain positions to even get disappointed about them. And so tell me the first person who disappointed you in your life. The first person disappointed me. I'm, I'm not too sure who's the first person, but I can remember who's the last person. Who? My cousin. My cousin disappointed me. Like, um, I got arrested um, a couple years back mm-hmm. for, for a crime. And um, when I was arrested, the um, police officer took me up to the district attorney's office. Like, the district attorney's office called me up from Central Buggins. And they said they wanted to talk to me. And I told the cop, I was like, I didn't know why you wanted, I didn't know why they wanted to talk to me. You know what I mean? I was like, what do you want to talk to me about? I don't have nothing to speak to about, to the district attorney about. So when I got up there, like they had like a line of people that was supposed to speak to the district attorney. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, yo, all these people are going to snitch. Like they're going to tell the district attorney like about their crimes or whatever it might be. And while I was up there with the officer, Another officer was up there, which was my cousin, and she had, I guess, a perp or somebody arrested or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. And she kept looking at me with the meanest face. But I wouldn't say anything to her because I didn't know if she wanted me to, like, blow her cover to let people know that she was related to me. So I wouldn't say anything. And the cop noticed it. Like, when we was leaving, the cop said, why was that cop looking at you like that? And I told him, I said, that's my cousin. And he was like, really? And it just so happened. And like they worked at the same precinct. Mm. And the cop, I guess, spoke to my cousin later on, asked her, like, did she know me or whatever? And she said, yeah, of course. And then like the cop said that she told him that I was the black sheep of the family and all this other stuff. And it was like the craziest thing I've heard. Because I just never was called that before. So you weren't just disappointed, you were hurt by her words. Yeah, I was hurt by her words more than anything because I felt like she used it as a a gateway to make me look bad and make herself look better. To separate herself from you, not necessarily to make herself look exactly, better. Exactly, to separate herself from me. Distance. He's a perp. I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy, exactly. And that's what hurt because it was like my my entire family always was against her so when i sat there and i'm like what i'm like she called me the black sheep like i'm like if anybody was the black sheep it was her you know what i mean but it was because you know i i had a a criminal history you know what i mean and things of that nature and i was like it was it was easy to put that on me like oh he's the black sheep exactly did you ever talk to her about it no never what prevented you me so let me guess, you're holding on to this and it's festering. No, it's not. I actually let go of it. I I didn't I didn't speak of it because I know myself. I'm a reactor mm-hmm. and I react fast physically. So I never wanted to speak about it because I never wanted to hurt her because I love her father so much. Her father is um my uncle. So you know what I mean? And he like one of the people that raised me. And I got so much respect for him that I couldn't see myself 
doing something to her or, you know what I mean, or even arguing with her that much, you know what I mean, to cause any conflict. So I, I just chose to separate myself from her. So you're telling me that there's no way in which you can converse about what transpired without you getting heated or it then becoming something physical? No, there is. There is a way we can speak about it. But what I've learned from people is that what I've learned from dealing with people is that when people don't want to be wrong, they tend to lie. And if you lie to me, that's what's going to anger me. Because, see, it was things that the cop said about my aunt that and my aunt just passed like in February, like right after her birthday. She was like like the real the brick of my family. Like she was the foundation, everything mm -hmm. you could think of with their family. Like people used to come up from Honduras. Um, I'm Honduran. They used to come up from Honduras, New Orleans, things like that to just eat her Thanksgiving food. Like she was like that person, the spine within the family. So it just what made me stray away was I was like, if she was the lie to me, that it will, will call it, cause the anger in me. Mm. And I, I didn't want to even speak to her about it to give her a chance to lie. So, like, I just let it, like, you know, just weigh out and just. No, you, you think you let it weigh out, but it's still within you. And it's part of the reason why you're unable to have intimate, real uh, relationships. Because I just saw uh, something that someone posted. A selfie taken in a car mm -hmm. with some girl. Who? I, I wouldn't know who the girl is. <laughs> who, was, who was in the selfie? You. I was in the selfie too? Well, it was a selfie taken by you with some girl on top of you in a car. Really? Yeah. On top of me? Yeah. When was this taken? I don't know. They just showed me. Because I don't job. take many selfies. So Okay, well, that selfie tells me that it's easier for you to have these interludes rather than to have an intimate relationship where you allow someone in and to know you. Mm -hmm. So rather than looking at your that one episode or that interaction with your aunt where she hurt your feelings and disappointed you as a means to not let people in, use it as an example of how you discern mm -hmm. between who's trustworthy and who is not as opposed to no one is trustworthy because what will happen is you'll be very alone. Mm -hmm. And I think on some level you already feel that way. Yeah. But that's of your own doing. Yes. But what I'm saying is you can become a better man when you decide to open up and let others in. You don't trust what I'm saying, do you? No, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, actually. It's just that I don't trust people. Sweetie, that's all you're surrounded by. And I don't trust them. Like, I'm about to be 30 this year in August. And um, I always bring it back to, like, my teachers, like Miss Daniels, Miss, um, I think, Calderon. Um, I remember them, like, always saying, like, that I would, like, be dead at certain ages. Or oh, you would be dead by 16 or you would be dead by 14, I remember. You know what I mean, Miss Daniels saying, but. Not but. Yeah. Not but. That's traumatic. Yeah, it is. 
You know what I mean? But it's things that we live through. I always, I always tell people, I'd be like, the things that we go through in the hood is like so normal to us, but it's so crazy because nobody else goes through this. Like other cultures don't really see this. And it's so normal to us. Like, for instance, I seen a guy the other day. He was like, yo, I got to go and I'm going to do this quick four years and I'm going to come home and I'm going to do this. And I was like, yo, you heard how he said quick four years? Like it was just. He becomes, you become desensitized to it because it's the norm. Because it's the norm. And that's what it is in my community that so much bullshit happens that when it happens, it's like, okay. Okay, but you know what? You become complicit with what Miss Calderon Mm -hmm. and whomever else said. Ms. Daniels. Ms. Daniels. And see how you remember their names. I heard you on the tape remembering your guy who said you have a, a deep voice. You'll be uh, a, you should be a radio guy. Mr. Leshin. You remember people and yeah, names. I do. It's, I remember everybody that had something to say about me. If it was positive or negative. You know what I mean? That speaks to your level of intelligence. But let's just shelve that part for now. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to what they said. By... Not being free of all the traumas in the past, you are walking dead. Mm-hmm. So rather than going against what Miss Calderon and Miss Daniel said, you're actually manifesting what they said. Mm-hmm. Because when you have nobody in your life that you trust, you may as be, well be soulless. Mm-hmm. So you think in order to live, I should, I need to have people? Absolutely. I don't say, I didn't say a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying befriend all the people who are on your Twitter or whatever, but a few good people. I have I have a few good people that I trust, you know, and they they probably the people that birthed me. Um, <laughs> probably you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one is my mother. Uh-huh. You know me, my little brother. Like it's 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 not it's not too many people because I've just you know when you you know when you're younger and you and you and you have a friend. It just seems like forever mm-hmm. until it's not forever anymore. And then it's like you you even think about it when you're older. Like, how did I stop like being friends with that person? Like we was the closest friends ever. But you always realize that, you know, people take different paths in life and and every everything is not the same. You know, what I mean, like we might not share the same likings and things anymore as we get older, like as. I didn't like okra when I was a kid, but I could eat it now. I should hope so, for you and I are going to be friends. <laughs> That's my favorite vegetable. How is that your favorite vegetable? How did that happen? Because I'm Southern. Okay. Family's from Alabama. Wait, so you're Garfuna? Garfun? Yeah, I know. So you, habla espanol. Yo, where you get the... <laughs> where you get that from? I'm worldly. Yeah, yeah, my fam, my family is my family is um, Honduran. They speak Spanish and and Ganifina, mm-hmm. and um, they from everywhere: Honduras, New Orleans, Florida. As far as, that's like the states that like we like deep in in, in Long Island, mm-hmm. <laughs> the state of Long Island, <laughs> the state of Long Island, <laughs> the city of Long Island, or whatever. But um, but yeah, that's like where my most of my family is from. So can you speak Spanish? Yeah. Not fluently, but like. Okay. Like we all knew it when we were younger, but like my family, like they had just had so much beef 
with like land over land and stuff like that. They never wanted the kids to know what they was talking about. So the more we got Americanized, they just allowed us to learn English and stray away from Spanish. And God rest the dead, my aunt Patricia, like in my aunt's funeral, like they had the discussion about like why a lot of the kids from my generation then weren't fluent in Spanish. And it was like because of the nonsense that was going on, you know, back in Honduras and things of that nature. But that's unfortunate. Yeah. On what day were you shot? I'm not sure what day. I was shot in September of 2006. Not sure what day. No. Could it have been on a Wednesday? Possibly. <laughs> It, it sounds like it, it said shit. You said it. It sounds like I was shot on Wednesday. Oh, the reason why. It was definitely middle of the week. The reason why I say that is because that's one of the uh, words that uh, Daryl has trouble remembering how to mm. spell. That's crazy because I might have really got shot on a Wednesday now that you say that. I got to think about it. It was September 6th, 2006. We have to have someone look it up. Yeah. It was, I think I got shot September 6, 2006. And tell me about that. I've heard the story, the guy, the squeezing the butts, the yeah. whole. Well, you know, I was a bully. I was, um, yeah, I bullied a lot. I bullied a lot of people, actually. Was it because of why? If you could come up with one reason why it would made you bully others, what would it be? I think my bullying was more of a defense mechanism. Against? against people like you know even now today like i don't bully anybody but if i see somebody who thinks they're like overly tough i get offended what's that got to do with you nothing so what are you trying to prove nothing it's just it's a defense mechanism because i always feel like i always feel like if this guy is sitting there and like he's bullying my friends like for instance like the cameraman that was just in the room you know what i mean like say like if the guy was bullying him I would take it so offensively. Like anybody around me, any woman, any female, anybody that I grew up with to tell you, they'd be like, I remember times where somebody said something to me and he just flipped out, like, because I'm so protective of people around me and myself also. But it more or less came from he actually he actually did something to me first, you know what I mean? I understand that, but tell me about the bullying. Name one, the one main reason that made you bully others. What were you trying to prove? No, I wasn't trying to prove anything. I was trying not to be bullied. So I will bully people. So you were on the offensive. Yeah, I would become, well, what happened with me was I was the kid. I was like a little dark skinned kid. I had good skin. I had curly hair. And, and in my neighborhood, that, that was like an issue for some reason. Like, even the drug dealers that I looked up to, the tough guys that was on the corner, they would always say stuff like, yeah, with your good hair ass. You know what I mean? And shit like that, like, fucked with me when I was younger. Because I was like, oh, they think I'm soft because I got good hair. You know what I mean? Mm. And growing up, where I grew up in East New York in the 90s, you had to be tough to go to school because the crackheads were tough back then. Understood. The crackheads wasn't zombies. They wasn't... They couldn't comprehend the crackheads would choke you up and take your coat. So I used to go to school with my cousin Philana every day and I had to protect her. So I remember going to war with crackheads, stray dogs, like all types of things. So it was like I had to be tough in order to survive. So it was like I think it was because of my physical appearance that I. Are you that, being beautiful? 
I don't know. You are. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what made me like go into being tough because it was like people used to describe me, and every time they describe me, it'd be like older dudes. They'd be like, "Yeah, pretty black." They'd call me pretty, or you know what I mean. They'd say, "Oh yeah, that good ass hair." And I used to be like, "Nah, this is why people think they could play with me." You know what I mean? So I got real aggressive over time. Okay, but. Daryl, we're not talking, we're not 20 years past, we're in the present. Yes. You're not walking to school, trying to fend yourself and your cousin off from crackheads. Mm -hmm. So what's the necessity in being as tough and bullying other people? No, I don't bully anybody. Yes, you do. Who do I bully? Those who you think are about to bully others. Yeah, you're right. You're right, I do. That's not your concern. You're right. But you know what it is? I'm a... I'm afraid for myself. I don't want anybody to bully me. So I'm not really buying that. It's true. No, that's not possible. Let me tell you why. You put yourself on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You think that people are not going to talk shit Mm -hmm. and try to bully you. That's what they do. So that's that's a lame excuse. Really, what makes you bully other people? It's a defense. No. It's a way for you to let out all the stuff that you haven't let out in years past. People are easy targets, herbs, whomever it is. And so you go from zero to 60 and you just like let out on people. They become an easy target. That's not fair. But what if they were zero to 60 on me and then I zero to 60 on okay, them? But can I How say is something? that an easy target? Because you're the one who's on the offense. You're the one taking the person out before they even make a move. It's not about them. It's about you. I'm afraid. You. I don't want to play defense. Let Are you okay with playing defense? I am, actually. You sure? I sure am. You know why? Because I don't have to have my guard up. I don't have to have my shoulders up. It's much more relaxing. All right, right now we got to pay some bills to the good people at Bevel. Bevel is the first and only shaving system created for men with coarse, curly hair. This is the first shaving system created for black men. This is how it works. When you order Bevel, they're going to send you a very official steel razor and blade. This shit is like some dope shit. Like, it's like made out of like stainless steel stove from like um, <laughs> the stoves that Oprah got. But anyway... <laughs> Forget about Magic Shave. Forget about Clippers. This is the product you need in your life. Why, first of all, razor bumps are whack. There's no telling how many situations you screwed up with the ladies, how many job interviews you blown because your neck looked like Nestle Crunch Bar. Now that the bevel is on the market, there's no excuse for that anymore. Get them nasty fucking bumps off your neck. Also, I see a lot of you talking on Twitter, talking about supporting black-owned businesses with your money. You've talked the talk. Now it's time to walk the walk. Bevel is the brainchild of Tristan Walker, a young African-American entrepreneur. I recently read his profile in Fast Company, which I highly recommend. And this guy is official G. I love his story, his journey, and example he's setting. When you support Bevel, you're supporting the community and the culture. In fact, you're doing it twice because you're supporting this show, too. Because Tristan is going to take out any more ads if y'all don't buy any Bevel. And 
we need Tristan Walker to put all the money behind motherfucking tax season because Bevel is actually the shit. You know what I mean? So just like I told y'all before, if you motherfucking get Bevel in his garbage, make sure you slander me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Sconex, Black Planet, and every other social network there is possible. Slander me because the shit is dope. I can't even lie to you. We always say we deserve better products that work better for us. Bevel, we have one. Let's support it. Check out GetBevel.com today. Use code TAX to get 20% off your first month and GetBevel.com. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L-D-O-T-com. Check out GetBevel.com. Use code TAX to get 20% off your first month. GetBevel.com. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L-D-O-T-C-O-M. GetBevel.com. Yeah, so we back with Dr. Maya Pettifor and one day I went to go visit my um one day I was with my friend mm-hmm. and he was like he wanted to drop some money to his mother. So I was like, cool. And we turned on his mother's block and it just so happened that his mother was walking up the block and she didn't notice us. And we pulled up on the side of her and I say, yo. And when I say yo to her, she turned around with Mace in her hand. And I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that day I was like, why the fuck is his mom's walking around with Mason on hand? You know what I mean? Like just ready to go. But what made me realize was that, you know, she was nervous about something. She was scared about something. She's mm-hmm. being cautious or precautious. Yes. And that made me realize because I looked at his mother and I said his mother's about 50 something, 60 years old. It made me realize that I have to be the same way. Nah, not buying it, sweetie. How? Because that's too easy of an excuse. You're using your brain right now mm-hmm. to try and prove to me that the reason why you are doing the things that you're doing is some bullshit. It's not. I'm no, not, I'm not using. I'm using that excuse as an example. Just and you're to show good you. at that. That's that just demonstrates your. So, yeah, it's called deflection. And I'm deflection? not. Absolutely. It's like you're trying to be the Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. And that's me. Yeah. You're not that good. I'm not? <laughs> no, I'm not falling for it. So why do I do it? Like, Because I'm, I'm telling you, for me personally, that's why I move the way I move. I move on a, on a, on a, I move on a defense, but I turn it to offense. I'd rather attack you than you attack me. I'm afraid of getting attacked. Okay, so we're not living in prehistoric times mm-hmm. when you have to attack or you will be eaten by a dinosaur. You're no longer in the hood. But do you think these people won't attack you? Do you think I'm falling for this argument? No, seriously. Like, Yes, yeah, seriously. Listen, I know you're a doctor. Listen, I know you're a doctor and you might not live no sort of life as far as, you know what I mean, being in the street or anything of that nature. But let's say right now, do you do you work out? Do you jog? Let's say right now you're jogging and it's a random dude that want to knock you upside your head and think he's so, going to. So I will react to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. I will do what I can. I will hit him in the face with my tooth ring. That's my wisdom tooth right mm-hmm. there. Okay. Yeah. And I will kick him with my boots. You, you'll, you'll protect yourself. You'll protect yourself. To the best so, of my ability, but I'm not going to. The game that I play is don't even get next to me. Okay. But that game that you're playing is you went from using that as a means of protection and now it's isolating you. You're like in Grayskull. You mm-hmm. know, that's what they used to call the the shelter on Atlantic Avenue. Yeah. In Bedford. Yeah. 
That's what you're doing. And so you want to enjoy the fruits of your labor and this world that you've created through being on podcasts, helping uh, artists do stuff, but you're still going to be very much alone. I'm cool with that. No, I don't really think you are. You don't think I'm cool being alone? Absolutely. No. Why not? Because I think it makes you sad. What? Why? I, I I don't have the reasons why, but I think that you probably self-medicate. My, you I, smoke a lot of weed? Yes. You drink a lot of alcohol? Yeah. That tells me you're not happy. I guess. I love it. <laughs> I love weed. Oh, uh, is, is this what the listeners want to hear? I love weed. I no, love alcohol. I do. No, like, um, I'm a hyperactive person. So, very hyper. So, when I'm not smoking weed, I'm almost drunk. And when I started smoking weed, it calmed me down. Like, it stopped me from speaking my mind too much. It stopped me from being boisterous, you know what I mean? Being loud. It made me be calm. So, it, like, kind of, like, it tamed me a little bit. And that's the reason why I smoke weed. I don't, I'm not, if you can even speak to my mother, I've quit weed numerous times. Like, I'm quitting and it quit for a year, two years, a year and a half and won't smoke it. But what what, I, what happened was that I realized was that when I don't smoke weed, I get into more shit. Okay, so the things that you're talking about, self-regulation, uh, poor impulse control, all of those can be um, alleviated or dealt with by being in therapy. You don't need weed. Therapy? What's that? That's what we're doing right now. I want to smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know what? That's my therapy. Nah. Nah, because I don't think that you can be become the man. You, greatness. And that's part of what this whole podcast thing is about. Mm-hmm. If you continue to smoke the weed and don't really deal with the stuff that, that pains you and plagues you. Like your father's death. Like the conflict in your family. Mm-hmm. Like the trauma of not being able to see in your left eye. Mm-hmm. Like feeling like you need to defend yourself all the time. And I know that you don't want therapy because you showed up uncharacteristically late today. Mm-hmm. You had me real tight and you wanted me to be on the defensive so I could be like, oh, fuck this. I don't want to deal with it. But no, Why instead, <laughs> I embrace you Why would because you think you're that? uncharacteristically I was in late. Yeah, okay. You're usually here an hour early. <laughs> they change the time tonight. No, 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 they no. They did. No, no, I no. usually record at seven. They change right. it to nine. They they did change it to nine because I had to work. Work. Mm-hmm. I have people who come from Connecticut to see me. Yeah. And so rather than you welcoming me with open arms, you show up late. No, that wasn't the with case. the whole crew. Oh, that was my camera crew, but they the, said you didn't want to record. But this is the thing. The the mind works in in very uncanny ways. And so you being late Mm -hmm. shows me how scared you are to look at yourself and to face the things that plague you. No, that's not true. Oh, what? That wasn't why I was late. I was late because of traffic. I'm not going to battle with you about it. Mm -hmm. You are not characteristically late. Mm -hmm. Today, you're supposed to see a therapist for the first time in I don't know how long. At 930, not my usual time. Well, do you see the bags under these eyes? I need my beauty rest as well. No, I don't see any bags. Uh, well, that's because I use makeup. <laughs> but that that's serious okay. shit. Okay, listen. If you could wish for any three things in the world, excluding additional wishes, for what three things would you wish? I wish to, um, I wish to live a life 
that has nothing to do with the streets. Okay. At all. That's my only wish. I need two more. That's my only wish. I really wish for nothing else. Like, my life has been embedded in the streets so much from a child, from before my father died till my father died until after, you know what I mean? Like, I've been... I've been pushed in the streets from a child when I didn't want to, when I knew nothing about the streets, you know what I mean? So like, you know how people say they're a product of their environment mm -hmm. and a lot of people just wasn't a product of their environment. They just made themselves that. Yep. I was made a product of my environment. You understand? I was nine years old, eight years old. When my father got killed and I was pushed into the streets. I'm talking about to where his friends were scared of whatever and, I was pushed into the streets, literally. How how did your father die? My father got killed. He got shot. By whom? By um somebody he was trying to take a drug block from. So your father was a drug dealer? Yes. And your mom, did she have a legitimate job? Yes. And so how did you find out that your father died? Um, I found out from my aunt, actually. My mother was at work overnight and my aunt just like blurted it out like she, it was supposed to like be a secret and like she told me one of my great aunts so that's how i found out my father died but did, I, I i knew how did you know because like i was there what do you mean i was there like i was there when it happened you were outside with your father when it occurred yeah like i wasn't with him but i was there like at the same like it was it was weird like I was inside, you know what I mean? But it happened outside, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I heard the shots, but nobody told me it happened. But, you know what I mean? I found out the next morning it was him. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah. Where did he get shot? In his head. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I knew. But, um... What's your father's name? Daryl. You're his namesake? Yeah. Were you and your father close? Yeah, we was close, but we wasn't that close. I was eight. My father did a lot of time in jail. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we had a good relationship. He was cool. But I never really got that strong father-son bond from him because, like, he was in jail a lot. Did you know he loved you? Yeah. I felt, I always feel like that. To this day, I think about, you know, the little bit of times we had, and I always knew that he had, you know, he had love for me. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if it was like, you know, that super genuine love, you know what I mean? Like that you feel from a mother or not because he was never really, he was in jail. So, but when he did come around, he came around, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so you're his namesake. Your father got shot and killed. He was shot in his head and you got shot in your head. Mm-hmm. How do you make sense of that? None whatsoever. Actually, like, um, my father was killed, I feel, because of stupidity. And what do you call squeezing someone's butts and provoking someone to the point where they're so angry that when they see you, they shoot you? Stupidity. Thank you. So there are similarities between you and your dad. Yeah. And, you know... Those, those the similarities that stem from me and my my father definitely come from my younger years, 
because I didn't fully understand humans at the time. You know what I mean? And understand how, how people work. I was a person that thought that if if you were a coward that you couldn't harm anyone or you wouldn't protect yourself. You know what I mean? So when the person that, that shot me actually was like cool with me at one time, but he um he used to hang with the dudes that used to try to do things to me. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't understand them. So it was like, it was weird. He had come to me and tell me shit like, oh, yo, these dudes said they going to do something to you. But he was like with them every day. And I just couldn't understand it. So what I did was, because I couldn't understand it, I just started attacking him. Every time I seen him, I would punch him in his face. I would slap him. I would do whatever I felt like doing to him. Because you felt betrayed, he didn't choose. He was yeah. coming to you acting like he was your friend, but he was actually doing just the opposite. Exactly. And I don't know. He actually could have been my friend. He actually could have not been a friend, but I don't know. Right. And, you know, at that point of confusion, when you're dealing with confusion, you you just react however you're going to react. And that's what it was with him. And you could have very well followed in your father's shoes had it not been for the randomness of his not being able to see you and not be able to point the gun where he needed to point it to, to ex- kill you. Indeed. So... You have been given a second chance. Mm-hmm. And here you are squandering it. Because you're not really living. I'm living. No, you're not. I am. I enjoy Hennessy. See, and here you Go are. You want, you want to be uh, superficial and jovial and whatever. You don't want to be real about it. But you know, you're very smart. How do mm-hmm. we know you're smart? I don't know. Because you speak really fast. I can't keep up with you. That's why I had to have this thing. Because I heard you speak on all these shows. And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) And that's a little bit why I'm tight. Because my mind shuts off at 10 o'clock. And you had the audacity to come at 1030. Anyway. Sorry about that. (laughs) Anyway. You're very smart. You know this. I do. So what are you going to do differently? You want people to take you seriously because you're no longer in the hood. But every time you react and hold on to the past, you get kept there. You're like ball and chain back in East New York. Mm-hmm. But aren't we all back in East New York <laughs> in some sort of way? No, we're not. No, we're not. I don't know too many people who is who are all at peace. You know me. You all at peace? Every single part of you? Just about. Just about. Yeah. And you're not the only one who's experienced trauma, violence. Of course. But luckily, like you, I have my mother, Mm -hmm. my father, in and out, and lots of therapy. Do you think therapy works? I am a testament to that. I've gotten therapy, like, through jail. I would say that's not therapy, but let's talk about that experience. It was nothing. whole bunch of suboxone. <laughs> Wait, tell me. Oh, so why were they giving you suboxone? Who knows? They give everybody suboxone. They just slap that shit on you. Okay, so suboxone is how you detox from heroin. It's another form of methadone. It just slows exactly. you down. Exactly. So why the fuck was I on suboxone, Rikers Island? Why was I on it? I never was on heroin. 
Oh my God, that sounds like a lot. Because I was on Suboxone every fucking night at nine o'clock. Because they didn't give you Seroquel, that's why. They would give you Seroquel. They had me on Seroquel too. Of course they did. They damn sure did. Keep you real sedated. Yeah. Yep. They damn sure did have me on. They had me on Seroquel first, actually. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think if you would allow yourself out of the hood, out of that context, that you would feel guilty for leaving others behind? No. I won't feel guilty for leaving anyone because I always feel like, you know, when I get to certain stages in my, in, my, in my mental, that I feel like if you're not here, I have to leave you. You can come. I could try to help you to get there with me. But if you can't, I have to leave you because certain people don't grow and certain people are stagnant and they, 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 they just they're very comfortable with the positions they are in. So. I feel like if you don't get there with me, like, I just got to go and move on. So it's, I never really had a problem with cutting people off or, like, I could have a friend for 10 years. I could just cut you off out of nowhere. Bow. You cut off. You know what I mean? And it's no beef or nothing. It's just that I can't deal with you because my brain isn't there at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the only thing, you don't have this, uh, what is it called? When a person is... uh you're afraid to leave beep back. Anyway, the, so the only person that, that's holding you back in, in East New York is you. Perhaps. Why you say perhaps? He's half smiling, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I think the struggles, the struggles and in, in certain things that I've been through growing up in East New York is partially the reason why I have smarts. I feel like certain certain people, most people don't learn from mistakes or learn from experiences that they're in. I've learned from experiences as soon as I got in them or I've learned from other people's experiences most of the time. Mm. And I preach a lot. Like I always tell people shit and they be like, like people are just calling me out of nowhere at four in the morning. Tax, I need to talk to you. I'd be like, what's up? And I like give them advice. And I feel like it comes from um from me just understanding certain shit. For me just saying, like, listen, this is exactly what it is. It's not nothing else. You know what I mean? Like, exactly the way that sentence is, is written out in red, that's what it is. You know how no some chaser. people draw um, conspiracy theories or they might think other things. And, you know, I always bring up this subject, like, in prison when I was locked up. For what crime? Um, I don't know. I was locked up for many crimes. Um, Really? Yes. But not how long was the last time you were? Shooting, robbery, something of that nature. When was the last time you spent time in jail? I think 2011. I did a parole violation. Are you committed to not going back to jail? No, I don't want nothing to do with jail at all. Okay. At all. Because I was going to say, that'll bring you right back to where you came from. No, I don't want nothing to do with jail. Like, Yo, you know what's funny? Every time that I got arrested... Like, just speaking to the officers or whoever was around just in passing or whatever the fuck it might be, they always was like, why are you in jail? You're so smart. And the thing was is that through my school years, I was always an A student. I never had problems academically, ever. It's just that I think that my mother teaching me stuff so early caused me to be bored. 
Right. You were more advanced, and I'm sure the schools in your neighborhood exactly. did not. So I always tell my mother, no long division in the first grade wasn't good for me. You know what I mean? Because in order to know long division, I had to know multiplication. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. In order to know multiplication, I had to know addition and subtraction. And this was in the first grade. I knew all this stuff. So I would be so bored in class that I would finish my work this fast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I, I had nothing to do but to start trouble. Okay, but we're not there anymore. You've started the trouble. you finished the trouble. So how do you expect to live the the next, gosh, 40 years of your life? 40 years sounds great. I never thought about that. Well, you won't make it to 40 if you continue to drink Hennessy heavily. Hennessy is great. Kim Jong enjoys Hennessy. Yes, and he is the leader of a really <laughs> jacked country. You are not that person. He probably could import many different livers if he wanted to. <laughs> you I, don't have that option. I wish, I wish I could get a new liver, actually. But, um... No. You let's don't go, like Hennessy? Let's go back to... I drink red wine. Uh, Let's go back to people calling you at four o'clock in the morning. The reason why they call you is not just your experience. They trust you. Mm -hmm. So if people can trust you, when are you going to start trusting others? Probably not. I think so. You know why? It will take a long time for me to trust people. You're going to go to therapy. No, I'm not. (laughs) Yes, you are. I don't want therapy. I don't want to trust people. What's making you be so willful? It's like I'm talking like to a two-year-old who's tantruming. Um, I've, from my experience, I've learned people are not trustworthy. And your experience is very limited to those who are not necessarily trustworthy. I wish I could meet people that were trustworthy. I think you know a few. Like Chris Morrow. Shout out to Chris Morrow. I, I, you know, I just randomly email Chris Morrow a certain time to just thank him. Like, yo, man, thank you, man. You know what I mean? For this experience, just doing a podcast and shit like that. Because, you know, it. the reason I trust Chris Morrow is because he trusted me. You know what I mean? I've, I feel like I've come, I come across real aggressive. So. No, really. You're but, like a baby. Panda. Panda. <laughs> You're like all a baby soft panda. and fuzzy. Oh, yeah, with your good hair. People didn't say you were Dominican because they weren't experienced enough to know about Honduras. I forgot what they was calling me, but it wasn't Dominican. They was calling me something else. I think it was Panamanian or some shit. Yeah, they're all, what are you, all black. We're all black. Anyway, you trusted Chris Morrow and you're offering gratitude. Gratitude will help you to live a longer life despite what you're doing to your liver no i, I appreciate i appreciate everybody like you know what i mean that believes in me or you know what i mean that that tries to give me that push because just like i said it's so many that doesn't and there's so many afraid to do it because they feel like it's wrong to trust me or it's wrong to deal with me you know what i mean because i'm such an opinionated person you're opinionated because you're smart you don't take a person's word for it you're able to look at things critically from many sides. That doesn't mean anything other than the fact that you're smart. Yeah, but you can't tell the rest of the world that. that. I just did. <laughs> but when you come off on Twitter or have different conversations where you're aggro and you seem to like to live off of your reputation, that's the stuff that scares people, not the here and now. Mm. If you want people to take you seriously... Stop living off your reputation and live off the person that you are before people. But my reputation is me. It's part of you. 
but it's me. It's it's see because it's like I'm see. It was a point in time in my life where I would bully somebody. I would never bully somebody today. Right? You, we already co- covered this. You do bully people who Ooh. you who you think are gonna bully others. All right, you're right. I know I'm right. God, you think I'm not listening? I might be tired. <laughs> All right, you're right. And you might you be are... right about me bullying certain people. Yes, but just like I said, it's the it's a defense mechanism, and. When you when you when you realize that certain people are, are trying to take advantage, like I'm very protective of my friends. Like, stop. It's, it might be bad that I'm not protective of my friends. Like, I'm almost willing to die. I am. That's a loyal friend. That's somebody I'm I want willing my to die. Team. I'm willing to die, so you cannot play with my friends. You know what I mean? And that might be bad. You know what I mean? In most cases, because I know a lot of the friends that I have probably wouldn't do it for me. But it's just a trait that I have in me, and I've had it for the longest time in my life. Like, I've all of the th- all, mo- majority of the issues that I've been in in my whole entire life has been because of my friends. Of oh, that strong sense might of loyalty? Not, might have not been me, yeah. Well, then you need to be more discerning with your friends. Exactly. So that's what I do now. So now... Like, say, for instance, like a Chris Morrow, for instance, that gave me a, a chance to speak my voice on a, on a certain platform. Like, you can't have beef with Chris Morrow. You know what I mean? Who would have Chris, beef with Who Chris Morrow? Who knows? This is what I'm trying to tell you. Now, you, you hear what you just said? Who would have beef okay. with the six people that just died in Charleston? Okay. Who? So, A has nothing to do with B. You are grabbing at straws. Yes. Who is going to roll up on... Chris, who's going to roll up on the people in the church in Charleston? Sweetie, someone who's very disturbed. And in exactly. that, no, 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 no. The same person Darryl, can roll up in on that, Chris Morrow. In, in that instance, you have no control because he has some crazy firepower, a crazy mind. Mm-hmm. A has nothing to do with B. And in that instance, you can't save Chris. Mm-hmm. You think? I know. How? How are you going to say? How if, I'm, if I'm around Chris, if I'm around Chris and I live the life that I feel like anybody can attack at any moment. So I'm prepared with a weapon that if this person, um, what is this dude that, that, that rushed the churches in, um, in South Carolina? If he was to walk in to attack Chris Morrow, he could be attacked. Okay, you're all praying. You're not going to see that. Who's praying? Everybody Them? in the church. Yes. The people who think that there's not an attack going on. Exactly. Not me. Okay. I always think an attack is going on. Let me tell you on. something. Then that you're only half living if you always have your head turned looking behind you. Perhaps. That's not a life worth living. I'm cool with that. No, I don't really think you're cool with that. I'd I rather live I, than die. I th- really see now we're back in character. Mm-hmm. Where you're talking about, I'm a tough guy and I have to. Nope. I'm not. I'm not buying it. No, I'm not I'm buying strategic. it. No, you. Yeah. I'm loss prevention. I'm the same people in the store to stop you from stealing. Okay, and do they pay you for that? No. Okay, then you. I'm need paying to mind, my. I'm paying myself to, to mind live. <laughs> yours. A has nothing to do with B. You're not hanging out with people who get into those kinds of situations anymore. But that doesn't mean anything. Those but, people in the church didn't get into anything. I've been having this discussion for years with certain people. Like, I remember having this discussion with a pastor in Delaware. I went to go check my family in Delaware, and I had a gun on me, and he noticed it. And he was like, he was like, 
is that a gun? And I said, yeah. I told him the truth. And he was like, why do you have a gun on you? Because I said, you just never know. And he looked at me like disgust in his eyes. You know what I mean? But, you know, later on, um, a woman that was in the church was like having a class in the church during the week and she got raped. And nobody was there in the church to like really help her because she was the only one with the kids. And like she went to somewhere else and the dude was hiding and raped or whatever. But it just was the point that it was saying, you know, this woman could have been living her life. But what if she thought that a guy might run up on her one okay, day? Okay, so are you now starting a new Black Panther party? No. QBP? New no, I'm not. Okay, so I'm starting let's stop. A, I'm no. starting a you ain't running up on me party. How about this? We're not living in the post-apocalypse with Mad Max. Mm-hmm where everybody needs to be strapped because that's how you keep yourself in the hood. You don't always need to be ready and armed. Ar- be armed with your intelligence. Yeah. What were the people in the church armed with? Their faith. And what faith got them? Faith got them... Um, dead. No. Dead. They're dead. They are dead. They're dead. But A that senator's is dead. Seven other black people are dead. He could be a non-senator. Adult, adult black people, they were in their 40s 30s like they're dead because they allowed they allowed their faith to get in the way of their intelligence okay so what are you trying to say that we need to have uh one of those one of those things that checks for guns and stuff before we enter i think we should have a place where your gun is there because this is the type of world we live in like we you know what you're you know what you're promoting though right what you're promoting the antithesis of love and peace in our lives. Yes, that might be unrealistic. Mm-hmm. But how are you ever going to get out the hood if your mentality is still there? That's It's not a hood mentality. Yes, it's it a is. world mentality. No. It's the world. The United States government goes into countries and strips people of shit that they have no reason doing. You understand? But at the same time, we live in the United States. So what are we to do? We to, we're going to argue with the United States about going into Syria and doing certain things or Fallujah? Talking, no, I don't know why we're talking about things outside of the States. If you want to make a change in the United States, you vote. Instead mm-hmm. of being on Twitter and trying vote. to bring somebody down and trolling, why don't you use that mind power to go to your local congressman or your councilman to do something different? I'm not feeling it. Instead of but we watching just, um, Love and Hip Hop, why don't you instead read a newspaper? Why don't you go down to the schools? Why don't you go down to the mayor's office? I'm not really listening to this argument because all you're trying to do is get me tight about some. No, I don't want to get you contra- tight. Controversy and deflect from the fact that you don't Hell trust no. people. I don't yes. trust people, but we just <laughs> voted for Barack Obama and the Ooh. people just got shot up in the church. So who do I vote for? Who? You vote for legislation to prevent people from having guns in the way that he Who did. Who is legislation? You, Who you, is that? You talk to, you boycott, tw- what is it, Facebook. Yeah. For allowing people like him to slip through the cracks. People like him who have Confederate flags, who talk all this stuff, they should be put on notice. Mm-hmm. And I, just like I said, I've had this, I've had this discussion numerous times about, you know, the the church um what about the church terrorist the the church is the church is a great place i feel like the church is a great place it gives people faith it gives people you know what i mean um a positive light to look towards you know what i mean just that 
just that 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 place where they could they could feel you know in a in a tranquil they could be in a tranquil safe. setting yes. and they could feel safe and they feel like you know what I mean they could let loose but at the same time we have enemies and and this is from the beginning of time the the Vatican the Vatican doesn't have security for no reason the, the Vatican is a fucking church the Vatican has security because they know that they have potential enemies so I feel like this if the Catholic Vatican Church can have security why can i not be secured why can i not have security because i feel like the same the president has security you know what i mean these are people that know they need security because they're people that don't believe in their beliefs so much that they will kill them you know what i mean there's some there's not it's somebody not about, it's not about not believing in our beliefs it's about white terrorism let's just make it very clear mm -hmm. and the fact that the church has always been a safe haven for blacks. Very. It's and always they've continuously been... burned our crosses. Right. And burned our churches down. And this is exactly why the pastor needs to have a fucking oop behind the um what do you call it? <laughs> the pulpit. You non-church exactly. going individual. That's a fact. So, I haven't been to church in about right, six but years. This is, but this and the is last the time same I went guy. I had a gun on me. But this this is the same guy who was talking about protecting the church. This is a joke, yeah, right? Protect, no, it's not a joke to me at all. I haven't been to church in years, but what if what is me being not being a church? Does it make me not a God fearing person? No, it doesn't. But it just gives you a very easy opportunity to talk about anything other than your own feelings, Daryl. What about my own feelings? I'm willing to speak about it. No, you're not. You I just am. had let's to digress. Let's not talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. Let's not talk no, let's about it. Let's go back it. to my feelings. <laughs> I'm trying to digress from my feelings. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> if you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you choose? A lion. What is it you like about a lion? The stealthiness. They're very stealth like. You know, lions pounce. Who do they pounce on? On whoever. <laughs> no, they don't. Yes, Just they pounce do. on whoever. <laughs> lions pounce. Lions don't. Lions don't. Lions don't attack in front. They will attack in front of your face, but if they're hunting you, they pounce. They, 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 they move very stealth-like, very strategically, and they wait until you're busy and they attack you. So, contrary to you saying that you like to be point blank up front you mm. like for people to be distracted and then you pounce on them no i actually it doesn't it doesn't really i don't mind which way to do it actually but i'm a leo and leo your birthday's coming up soon indeed when's your birthday august 14th i'm gonna remember that okay you know. let's getting back to the the pouncing or what you think you are you sure you're not a, a panda bear why do you say a panda because they're real patient. Patient I am. They have a, they consume a lot of food. And let's just translate Shit. that to weed and Hennessy. That might be me. They're pretty solitary. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? They no. don't hang out with each other. They only come together when it's time to mate. And that's once a year. Damn. I might be a fucking panda. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I can't believe this shit. Am I a panda? I don't know. Are you a panda? Because that's like, damn, that's me a little bit. So. Are pandas thugs? <laughs> <laughs> they are when you try to eat their bamboo. 
All right. Yeah, we ain't playing with that shit. <laughs> so what can we do to help you become more trusting? Um, I don't want to become more trusting. Uh, I didn't I didn't say that. I'm telling you what I don't I don't want to be I, more trusting. Okay. What can I help you to do in order to become more trusting? What do you need? I need to not see people dying in order for me to be trustworthy. No, it's beyond that. In order for me that. to trust people. Okay, so your father died. Yeah. You almost died, but you put yourself in that situation. Indeed. Who else died? Everybody. Everybody's dead around me. Um, I got a couple friends that's doing 25 to life. They dead. You know what I mean? Because they doing 25 to life. It's like it's no breath for them. You know what I mean? Yep. Even when I speak to them today, I just it's just like it's such a dead feeling because I just know that the only way I'll see them is if I go see them. You know what I mean? And I might cherish their thoughts. You know what I mean? Cherish the relationship we had, things of that nature. But it's like it'll never be the same. It won't ever be the same. Because of the position that they're in. But you know what's so interesting to me is that you're very much like them. You gonna ask me how? How so? I don't know. What do you think I'm thinking? You've been sitting here with me for a while now. What do you you know my train of thought? I'm not sure. Cause you've you've brought a lot of things back to my Hennessy consumption. <laughs> and my Hennessy consumption is a um as actually a part of me probably being free. <laughs> oh really? I think I think me smoking weed and drinking Hennessy keeps me free from jail. You got to find a healthier way to do that. I wish I can. If I do, I will definitely use it. But you're not open to very much, so how can you say you wish you no, can? I'm, I'm open to, I'm not open to therapy. Help me to understand that. You wouldn't want to sit in a room with me and pay me $225 for 45 minutes no, twice you, a week? You look good. I wouldn't really want to, like, pay you to talk to you. I wouldn't do that, like... I would take you on a date, like... You look really good. What does that got to do with therapy? Yeah, I don't want you therapizing me, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I don't want you, like, in my brain for no reason, like... But why not? You obviously trust me. I'm not hard on the eyes, and that's important. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your intellect. Mm -hmm. So what would be so difficult about sitting with me and getting to understand yourself a little bit better and then with the hopes that you could I think I understand myself is that that I don't I don't care about um expressing the understanding or um or compromising it that sounds like horseshit. Compromising it. You may as well be doing a 25 year bid if you're not your friends yeah you like your father are about gone. what mm -hmm. A lot of things that I learned in prison that a lot of people felt like probably were like bad were great to me. It was great learning experiences and like Really? Yes. This sounds like a really bad ABC after school movie. I'm I'm being serious. Like and what? What did you learn? In prison, I was in a box, right? And uh That's the solitary shoe. confinement? Yeah. Special housing unit. And when you get into trouble in the box, they they um give you a tier three ticket. 
Now, that's what you usually get in order to go to the box is a tier three ticket. Mm. So you get one while you're in the box. You go on this thing called the loaf. They put you on this thing called the loaf. It's a loaf of bread they give you every day. And it just got it got fruits like in the in the bread. Mm-hmm. And it's just enough for you to survive. You be dead starving. And it's like enough for you to survive. But me being in that position taught me so much today that I probably would have never knew in my entire life. I like prayed one time for probably 30 minutes just thanking God that I went through it. Because I remember being in that situation, praying God to get out of it. Like, please, like, just let the sergeant look at my ticket and say the tier three was wrong. You know what I mean? Something to just get me out of this situation. But being in the situation, being starving, not having nobody to call, you know what I mean? Not having, it made me seclude myself. It made me actually put myself in a special housing unit outside of jail to taught me that only thing I needed to depend on was myself because... If I depended on people, I wouldn't have people all the time, depending on what situations I would get into. You know what I mean? So now when I remember back in the days, if I would have an issue with somebody at another school, I am I was blood. So I would call up whoever, 20 bloods. Yo, let's go up to the school. We going to get whoever. We going to ride on these crips on these folks. You know what I mean? And then. You know, we'll do whatever. And then, of course, you know, six, six people tell, you know, their mother made them tell, whatever it might be. Mm. And I was like always the stand up dude out of the, out of the situation. And when I went through that situation, it taught me that I needed nobody. And it actually made me feel better about being by myself and learning myself, because what I did was I read so much books in that position that I learned so much that shit that you would probably have to learn through life with a friend and share it with a friend. I shared it with nobody. It was just myself. So now when I came out, I had this, like I had the utmost confidence, you know what I mean? I could literally like, I probably could walk in Syria right now and just ride on the whole entire ISIS. Okay. So listen to me, what you learned in prison. Mm Mm-hmm was something very dysfunctional and unhealthy. Perhaps. No person can survive without others. The idea of one being independent is a farce. From the sneakers you have on your feet Mm -hmm. to the t-shirt you have on your back. We need people for everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry that that horrific time in prison in the loaf made you think that you don't need anyone because that is not real. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in love? Yes. Are you in love now? Yes. With myself. <laughs> You're such a jerk. <laughs> okay. How do you expect to fall in love? I, ex- I I don't expect to fall in love. Like, I'm like a person, like, I don't think like that. I I think everything being natural. Like. I don't understand what you Answer my question. Yes. How do you expect to fall in love if you think you don't need anyone? I don't. But you want love. Yeah, why not? You, why not? Can you say, yes, I want love? (laughs) Yes, I want love. (laughs) Then how can you get love? 
if you're not open and trusting? I don't I don't want to be like it's, it's not going to mean you can't that be you're open s- and trusting the stop. people. Can I can you say how listen, could you be? Listen, it doesn't mean that you become soft. It doesn't mean that you cannot be reactionary and be on your toes. It just means that you allow someone in your life, someone to know you. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. That that's definitely been a struggle with me. I can't allow females to get to know me. The fact that you're calling them females is a problem. Why? How about women? It's not the same thing? No, it's not. It's like bird. What? Yeah. Calling a a woman a female is like calling them a bird. I didn't know that. Thanks yeah, for teaching it, me that. Yeah, women. I didn't know. Sorry. Women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, women. I don't know how to... Um, I see so much. Like I don't know. Like Maybe it's like... The environment that I'm in, like I'm, I'm at, um, what? I met a girl a couple weeks ago, and like she was talking about her boyfriend, and it was like so weird to me. Like I just, like I guess the women that I'm around, I just never heard a woman speak like this, like about her boyfriend, and she was like, like so loving, and like it was like weird to me. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I never even heard this type of shit before. Like every girl I know with a man just is complaining. It's never love. It's always somebody being vindictive, trying to get back at the other person. And I'm, I'm, I when I always tell people, when you know yourself, you got to know what you're able to deal with. You know what I mean? And that's why I'm able to probably have this podcast now because I know what I'm able to deal with, so I know what to keep myself away from. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if I was dealing with the type of women that I'm speaking of now, I probably wouldn't be able to have this podcast. Because I would be dealing with violence and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Who are you surrounding yourself by? You need to call whomever that, that woman was that was speaking, you know, fondly of her boyfriend and hang out with her more often. You need to be Probably. surrounded by love. Because I haven't heard that type of shit. Like, and, and since I was a kid, when people were dealing with hope, like, you know, when you were younger and you like in. In, in grade school and people are just dealing with all types of hope like yo one day i'm gonna be a firefighter and and it's that and the innocence third, and then, innocence yeah and then they realize that they like got three toes so they can't be a firefighter oh my god or, you know Where'd you get this from? it's just you know because it's like hope makes you believe so much that you you stop dealing with intelligence sometimes. So if you dealt with intellect, you would realize like, yo, I only got one foot. I can't be a firefighter. You know what I mean? Right, but we're not always ruled by our intellect. There's also the emotional part. Yeah, and I try to deal with intellect most of the time because I I do deal with emotions a lot. But you, I want to deal with intellect because emotions can definitely have you have the best of you. Exactly. However, if you go to therapy. If you go to therapy, or rather, if you go to therapy, (laughs) (laughs) when you go to therapy, you learn to trust your therapist and you'll learn to see the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. And you'll become you'll regain your innocence because a lot of that was stolen from you, especially at age eight. Mm -hmm. You think when my father died, my innocence was stolen from me? Absolutely. I think it was stolen before that. Perhaps I, I didn't trust motherfuckers before that shit happened, but um, I think that was instilled a lot from my father, from my family, just everything. You know, I had a lot of family members on crack. You know what I mean? Mm. Back then, you know what I mean. All my family, my aunts, everybody was on crack. You know what I mean? And 
trust came from not seeing the TV there or uh, something getting or stolen. lack of trust. Yeah, the lack of trust, like certain things in the next door neighbor, like my next door neighbor house. Um, I ain't gonna say his name. I don't, don't. know. <laughs> it was like a dope house connected to my house. Like they sold heroin. You know what I mean? So. For, for those that don't know, heroin is a different type of drug. It's not crack. C- heroin is 30 times worse than crack. It's yeah, a, that's the definition of controlled substance to me is heroin. And to have a heroin house next door to your house at that age and to be outside all day amongst it is some different type of shit. Believe me, that was probably definitely not no place that I should have been being raised at. You know what I mean? But. Me and my cousin was raised right next door to a dope house. A walking dead house, because that's what they wind up looking like. Yeah, definitely. So you are not an outlier in that you, your cousin, a bunch of other kids your age, unfortunately, had to be exposed to that kind of life. So you are one of many beautiful black men that calls women females that you're not trusting always looking behind your shoulder, reactionary, uh, self-medicating with alcohol and marijuana Mm -hmm. just to get through the day. Yes, that's me. You described me. And so we need you. Our society needs you. Our women need you. And most of all, you squander your opportunities. You will not achieve your greatness and you are destined for greatness. If you don't, get help help from who god oh my god <laughs> i'm so sick and tired of saying this i've i know people i mean there there's a lot of resources the unfortunate thing is people you know they say oh you crazy or you're whatever i mean the reason why i'm in this is because my father was bipolar had a nervous breakdown walk from brookdale to prospect heights and took off his clothes, threw his wallet in the garbage, walked through the rain, mm-hmm. and then attacked probably five or six cops naked, jumping on top of cars on St. John's Place, mm-hmm. and decided that he did not need medication. He needed his faith. Mm-hmm. And that didn't really help us. How do you feel about medication? Some people need it. I think that some people really need it. If you're hearing voices and seeing things, then you need it. Some people need medication to help their moods, and that can be just temporary. You can come up with other ways to cope or to deal with it. Well, how do you feel about medication? I don't want to take none of that shit. I'm not suggesting you take any of that shit. (laughs) I'd rather take Hennessy and weed. No, I'd rather you learn how to talk about your feelings because I think that you will probably become better on the radio, better with your Twitter responses, better overall. I'm willing to talk about myself. It's just that I don't feel like sharing myself with certain people is even deserving. Another way of deflecting, yeah. You won't know your clinician and they are not necessarily not deserving of getting to know you. Yes, it would be an honor. Stop coming up with excuses. Why do you feel that people need psychiatry, especially African-Americans? Um, I think everyone needs um, to address any mental health issues that they have. I think in the black population or the black community, 
there's a lot of shame attached to it. And that's prevented us from going to see a doctor. And that's based upon all the experiments in Tuskegee and a general mistrust of doctors. I know tons of people who have diabetes, hypertension, but they will not go to the hospital because they feel like they're not going to get the care that they need and they will not walk out of the hospital. Mm. And that spilled over to mental health. That shit might have a lot of truth to it. (laughs) Right. But the problem is, um, if you don't seek help, you will not have the life that you are destined to have. So do you think psychiatry is for everyone? Absolutely. But there are not a whole lot of black therapists out there. There are a whole lot of there are not a lot of black clinicians. And I think a lot of black people would prefer that. But I say, um, if that is not available to you, take what you have, take what you can get. And if it doesn't work, then move on, make a complaint. If you feel like a person's not meeting your needs, but don't let it deter you from getting help. Mm. Because a lot of people, black people, have lives that are traumatic. When you have to live or you're living in a low-income, high-crime neighborhood, there's a lot of trauma. Yeah. I agree. And so why not get help if it's available? It's available uh, at local hospitals, local agencies, then do that. There's no shame uh, to getting help. In fact, it's a it's demonstrative of uh, strength if you get help, not of weakness. So when are you going to go? One day. Let's talk. You <laughs> and I are going to talk because I think I'm going to see you next week. We can talk. Uh, Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Maya Pettiford. Tax season, episode 14. We out. This episode of Tax Season featuring Tax Stone is produced by Jonathan Menna, executive produced by Chris Morrow, and engineered by none other than Samir Karam. <laughs>